welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the one and only podcast that you will ever need to listen to if you want a life of sexual integrity and a radiant life, a radiant blessing, a radiant family. Now, in today's episode, we have a young man named Yuki. And this guy, you know, he's been a part of our world for quite some time, and he represents many of you. He's a young person who's taken up leadership in our movement, and he's sorted through his own complications with pornography, with masturbation, and now he's on the other side. And what he's doing in this interview with Sammy is he's unraveling the stages that he's been through in order to get where he's at today. So if you're interested in taking your recovery seriously and learning from somebody who's done it in real time, then this is a great episode for you. And if you're a parent who's very interested to know what your child is going through, this is also a wonderful interview because Yuki represents all of our sons. Maybe he's a little old to be my son, but you know what I'm saying. So please enjoy Yuki, everybody. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Love, Life, and Legs podcast. It's me, Sammy Uyama, and it's just me today, Andrew is not here. I'm interviewing a special guest. So uh, I'd like to introduce him to you. He is a super stud. If you were to look him, look up super stud on Google, you could probably find his face come up on the first page. It's my pleasure to welcome Yuki Asanuma. Hey, Yuki. Hey, Sammy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so all you listening, you're wondering, all right, Yuki, cool. Why do I care about hearing what Yuki has to say? Yuki, I've known for a good number of years and Good friend, just someone I consider one of the most solid guys. Just want to like someone that can get something done, or just you, or or you know, there's that, or just like you wonder, are they how they're doing in their life? And you know, there's just people like whatever's going on, whatever dips they experience. Yeah, he's gonna be okay. Yuki's definitely in that category. Someone I look forward to checking in with every now and then. He also has a really amazing recovery story with his sexual integrity. So I mean, that's there's a lot of stuff. We could talk about Yugi, but that's what we're here specifically for. He uh, yeah, has a lot of experience and wisdom to share about as a guy to, you know, what it's taken or what it takes to have really strong sexual integrity. Anything else to add about yourself and how amazing you are? Uh, no, I think you did a good job. Yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, honestly, it's like, I don't know if I could do justice, right? To Yuki, you're a really great guy. It's really, I think, a benefit to everybody to have you here. So thanks for joining us and being willing to do this interview. Yeah, anytime. He's also a good chef, if that's worth anything. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's not just like, oh, he cooks well, but like, you know, able to charge money for the food he makes quality. Really good at cooking and really good at presenting food. So let's, I mean, have, let's share a little about your background so we know who we're talking to. This is, I guess the, the point of this, we do different kinds of shows, right? There's just me and Andrew. We talk about whatever comes out of our mouth. And then, um, then we interview experts, and then we we do a lot of just personal story interviews, and this fits into that category, right? So you know, we're just having like coffee by the fireplace, Yuki, Sammy, and you listening in, whoever you are, and yeah, you know, we want to get personal. So Yuki, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hello, Sammy. Hello, whoever you are. Yeah, my name is Yuki Asanuma. I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. For most of you, you probably don't know where Nebraska is. It's if you were to point your finger in the middle of America, you'd most likely hit Nebraska. Yeah, I am 27. I hold Japanese. For those of you who are part of the Unification Church community, uh, we have a very small community here, maybe about like 
12 families, I always say like the amount of people that should come up, show up to church, maybe like, let's say 17, but on, on a good potluck, you know, maybe we'll reach up to like 25 or 30. Mm-hmm. Currently, I work with GPA, Generation Peace Academy. It's one of our, I guess, like a church leadership program that we have here in America. Mm-hmm. I work as, my position is probably closely related to like a, a counselor. I talk to a lot of like the second, third year participants, helping them work through their challenges, mainly always trying to help them see like the bigger perspective, understanding how God might be working into their life. And I would like to see challenges are never just a challenge, but like a way for God to give us more love in our life. Before working for GPA, I worked with our family. That's where kind of like I learned to cook more. My Before that experience, my, my main cooking experience was just watching videos on YouTube. But now I would say, yeah, I was like a, a sushi chef for some time, worked in the kitchen. And yeah, I think that's where I'll stop for now. Yeah, appreciate so. it. And uh, the work you do now taking care of primarily high school graduates and anyway, young people when, whenever they join GPA, right? We're taking care of young people, you know, as a like a spiritual guide or counselor-esque role that you play, you've got such a good foundation to stand on to be able to help these people. You know, a lot of people, they've got good intentions and desire to be helpful, but then like actually haven't gone through the course of developing strong foundation of a spiritual foundation for yourself and of good habits and of good relationships in your own life that really puts you in a position to help a lot of people. So I'm glad that you are on the GPA staff and being able to be involved in a lot of people's lives during a time when they're looking for that. You know, they're, they're doing their rite of passage, so to speak, of wanting to find their, their own personal life of faith rather than just being, you know, a attachment to their, their parents and their home life. Mm-hmm. And a huge component of that is the work you've done to create a really strong level of sexual integrity for yourself. Right. It's um, something that's often not talked about in any part of life and particularly involved with someone's spiritual life. Right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, regardless of that, so you, but that doesn't mean you're immune to having been exposed and experienced to porn, to masturbation, despite growing up with, well, uh, I was going to say, despite growing up with faith playing a large part in your life, but rather than just assuming that, why don't you, why don't you, we start with the first question is like, so what role did faith play in your life growing up? That's kind of interesting that you ask. Like, even though I'm working, like, faith, it's kind of almost like a, a part of my work. It definitely is a part of my work. Growing up, even attending church on Sundays, my only reason I went was to hang out with my friends, you know. And depending on what age we were, it was either because of I'd go because we'd all have our Pokemon cards or our Yu-Gi-Oh cards, or we'd be playing Game Boy together, hiding in the back room away from the parents. Mm-hmm. And, like, so definitely faith wasn't necessarily the most prevalent reason of why like uh, I did many things, but naturally it's, I found it creeping into my life more and more. Maybe it's, yeah, definitely like my parents influence to some degree. Like I know, um, for example, I believe a big part of why I tithe continuously to this day, even though many of my own friends and young adults don't tithe, it's because I think my parents, you know, every time the tithing basket would come around, she'd give me like a 10 cents or like a dollar to represent like that 10% that we always have to give. Or for example, like the reason why I believe church or faith became a priority to me. I remember like in elementary school, middle school, high school, when we had a sporting event on a Sunday, I could only go if it was after church. Whereas for most of my friends, if they had too much homework, they wouldn't go to church or they just didn't want to go, but they didn't go or they had a track meet or a soccer game. For me, or I guess for my parents, that was never a good enough excuse to skip church. Mm. And at the time, I really hated it because all I wanted to do was not be there. Mm. But I look back and it's made me recognize like that faith becomes a priority rather than the other thing that will always be there. I would never re- realize that at the time, though, how faith has incorporated more in my life 
Well, I also was a participant on GPA for two years back in 2012 to 2014. And afterwards, I uh, started just getting myself more involved, not necessarily because I felt like I, I could. It was almost more because I felt like no one else was really stepping up to help support the local community. Yeah, I found myself volunteering for like uh, random positions, helping count the tithing, helping count or like giving sermon occasionally, eventually becoming like the assistant pastor, helping staff camp workshops, becoming director for some of these. Yeah, that's some of the things I've done, I guess. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then, yeah, so it wasn't a intentional plan of yours to become staff, right, for GPA, but you always stayed connected. And then when happenstance, the opportunity came up, something like that? Yeah, yeah, you, you can say mm-hmm. it that way. Well, how would how would you say it? rather than the way I say it. <laughs> I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, happenstance, I guess it seems like a thing just happened to be, but I feel like it, it may underplay how much it, how difficult it can be to choose faith every time. Like, I guess the amount of like uh, time and sacrifice um, that we have, that people, I guess, that choose these kind of positions have to have to give or take. And yeah, but yeah, like, I mean, opportunity would come, it would arise, you know, actually, I know I met you because I attended a, a global Top Gun workshop as a participant. Mm. And then, you know, you invited me or you had asked if I could help staff one, you know, maybe a year or two later. And even then, it's not like, a, of course, I could think it just kind of happened. But I believe it's like kind of the conditions that are set, the amount of effort that's been put forth. But because of like the continuous investment, like that's also where I met one of the GP staff that I used to work under as a participant. Mm. He was there watching, overseeing some of the participants that he was sending from America yeah. um, and talking to him. And he just casually mentioned the idea of working mm. for GPA in the future, which is something actually I initially really didn't want to do because my experience there was so challenging. You know, really like working on my life of faith was difficult. Mm. But yet I found myself continuing to invest in you know my life of faith and not only just my own, but trying to help other people. Yeah, I wanted to give it a, an opportunity and a chance, even though. At that time, actually, I was really considering like uh, putting, making this more of a, you know, making it a lot more minor, maybe focusing a lot more on career, trying mm-hmm. to find like a, a sense of more security for myself. And yeah, I would like to think that I chose very intentionally, like kind of this path. You're, the way you said it is does justice way more to the actual process than the way I, I said it. So appreciate <laughs> sharing that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So then we got a good background, the way you grew up. Right. And so, but then what about foreign masturbation? How were you just introduced to that in your life? Yeah. So it's interesting speaking about like kind of church things. So I, I believe the very first time anything was ever introduced to me, I was probably like 11 or 12. It was me and another friend around my age. We were outside the church and we had about like a two or three of our elder, elder friends, elder brothers kind of there. And one of them had just kind of posed the question or asked like, hey, you, you, do you know what jer- jerking off is? And, you know, I'm like 11 years old. I have no idea what he's talking about. And I'm like, no. And he pretty much, you know, showed me like not doesn't actually show me, but like uh, with his hand gesture, like gesturing mm-hmm. what uh, it would be. And it did, did not make any sense to me, like what that was or why. But I would say that's like my very first initial impression. Yeah, I, it wasn't until maybe like a year and a half later that I kind of put two and two together and tried out myself. So yeah, I think it was, um, I guess, initial kind of seed planted around 11, mm. finding out more of the reality around 12. Mm. So. And then was that just with masturbation or, or 
What about porn then? Yeah, that was just masturbation. Let's see. I think it's interesting when I think of like uh, when you say porn, I know it's usually described or seen as like uh, you know, probably just like a nudity, you know, or mm-hmm. something more very sexual mm-hmm. or very obvious. Mm-hmm. So looking back, I feel like my first exposure may not necessarily be considered porn. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me at the time, I felt like this is porn. And I believe I was 13 and a half, maybe 14 on my dad's laptop. I was on YouTube. Don't know, you know, I don't know how, what exactly I was searching, but I came across a video of this like a uh, girl. She was dancing mm-hmm. and she was fully clothed though, you know, um, and by today's standards, we're probably not even that bad of dancing. Mm-hmm. But for me being 14, that was probably, that was just extremely stimulating the idea of like, just seeing her dance. Mm-hmm. And for me at that time, I would consider that my first ex- exposure to porn. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be maybe until a year or so later that would I actually see anything more graphic. Mm-hmm. Got it. I was actually introduced to masturbation and, and porn. It was at the same time, but by uh, a church friend too. <laughs> right, yeah. So uh, we, have, we have that in common. It wasn't outside the church though, right? So then how did uh, it develop then? You're, so it's you... The seed was planted in you, and then you—I don't know if it was was anyway. However, you ended up masturbating and you know experiencing it. It was experimentation, whatever. But anyway, then you had the stimulating experience a little bit later. So, in what way did it ramp up throughout your life or or throughout your teenage years? Well, I would say like let's say when I was twelve, and then it happened like kind of experimenting, and it it wasn't a very consistent thing. Maybe like once every. Off, so often maybe like uh, once a month or something even. Mm-hmm. I don't think it even felt that great but it was just a different experience mm-hmm. and then it wasn't until yeah like later once I my first experience was like with you know quote-unquote porn mm-hmm. and eventually kind of getting more into that like uh you know obviously I, I watched something that was stimulating and I guess the idea kind of came together that I should mm-hmm. you know touch myself at the same time mm-hmm. and yeah I can't exactly recall what life was like at 14 still but I I guess the next memory that come about are like in high school when it, it would happen, you know, maybe once a week or a few times a week, you know, or maybe even to the point of multiple times a day, even I guess mm-hmm. it really depend on what I had going for me at the time. I know like uh, when I was really into like tennis, it probably happened very rarely because I was so busy, you know, I was really tired, but probably times where I wasn't doing so much and just at home all the time, you know, playing video games in wintertime, whatever it is, uh, it might happen more often. So I guess that, is what it kind of looks like during high school. But I will say, at least for me, there's always like a sense of guilt. Like I can't, I can almost never recall a time I didn't feel guilty afterwards, which I know is not always the case for everybody. Mm-hmm. But of course, it doesn't mean I didn't numb myself to it oftentimes, but I would feel that. So yeah, I guess that's kind of like my experience throughout mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. Um, people often talk about how their, the type of porn that they watch ends up escalating as well, right? It's like mm-hmm. what, what they originally stimulated them becomes kind of dull. I mean, did you ever experience any, anything like that? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, so going from, you know, like a fully clothed girl dancing to, you know, I guess actual, you know, naked people, you know, having sex. It wasn't like, uh, I didn't just jump into it. I think I was very <laughs> conservative, you know. I would go to just like images of fully, just like, you know, a good looking woman. And then I would probably scrolling through Google eventually and hoping to see something where they have more revealing clothing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, I guess I'm speaking somewhat hypothetical because I can't remember everything. Or let's say like a bikinis or something. You know, they're still dressed, but definitely more more skin. Yeah, and then I guess it, eventually it would go to, 
or you know there'd be some type of website you go to and then there'd be like a link and then you know and then i would end up being exposed to like a video of mm -hmm. like a, a woman naked and i guess that's kind of where it took off i don't know how necessarily graphic or detailed i should i should be going into this but i think i also there's also like a i never want i never really wanted to see anything very violent so i think that's also what prevented me from ever getting too into the whole buried uh that kind of world mm -hmm. uh, i know that there's a lot of that there but when if i ever open up anything like that it it immediately like uh scare me or like uh he was a huge turnoff mm -hmm. it was i was not willing to continue so mm -hmm. i guess i had some i guess even within the grade zones i still had some kind of line drawn got it i appreciate you answering that question i just yeah. it just it's i think it's such an important thing to emphasize the at the time subtle development right of porn and of masturbation right it's like when you're in the midst of it you don't really know you know my experience for sure is you don't really notice how it progresses in that way but you just were to take stock of it and look back a year ago two years ago whatever what you used to look at and what you're looking at now like wow that that stuff it would nowhere near do it for me now right and it's this this nature of porn of this need for escalation need for novelty right and, and i think it's something that people don't uh, they take for granted often. Anyway, so I, I wanted to dive into that for just a little bit. But then how would you say that you're you know, like looking at porn, your masturbation, how did it actually affect you during those times of your life? And um, there's a lot of ways to answer this, and, and we can go into all of them, just like your relationships, your like relationship with yourself, relationship with other people, or with your faith. You know, th Those in particular, I think, are some ones that'd be worth looking at. Okay, so how, I, how it affected me during high school. I am not sure. <laughs> okay. I guess how I initially think about it, but what does come to mind is I think it would help, it would affect my perceived value of people, mm -hmm. like if if they were worth more of my time or not because they were good looking or not. Mm. It's really not fun to say that, but it definitely is true. Mm. Or like I'd want to be you know somehow just be around them more because they were better looking. I don't think I was even so aware of it at the time, but looking back, I I find that to be more true. Mm -hmm. I think in particular, like, for example, let's say, uh, like, camps and workshops when it came to in high school time. I don't think it, it necessarily affected me then. I feel like maybe knowing that I'm in, like, a church environment, I tried to be more objective and just be more, uh, have that kind of mindset. But thinking of even, like, after high school or, like, while working or just in general society, yeah, like, uh, probably, I would think it, it would continue to be true. It's like better looking people were probably worth more of my time than not good looking people. It may not necessarily be very obvious to other people how I act, but at least in the back of my mind, it'll probably ring true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very not fun thing to acknowledge, right? And I think that's actually a very common way to be affected by not just, I mean, porn can definitely do that, but you know, there's a lot of value based on appearance in general media, right? And so I think subtly that some some degree of what you just talked about is experienced by a lot of people. Post high school, is there any other unique way you recognize that porn affected you? Another point that did come up thinking about it now is just like uh, how I would would uh, respond or react when I was agitated or irritated. Mm -hmm. I think it's because like masturbation became like a stress reliever, and so if I was stressed and I just couldn't find like that instant gratification, then it would either be taken out on other people, mainly just my family. I was pretty good with like uh, holding it, like how I feel with other people. But mm. my family, like at least my mom would probably get the brunt of it. And I don't think it was always so obvious. It was just like, a, it'd be more snappy, more just irritable. And I think that was another, I guess, like a side effect, I could say, because of porn. But beyond that, at this moment, I can't, I can't think of much. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's um interesting. For my next question, 
Well, what I'm left wondering is like, why did you want to stop then? Because uh, that's really interesting place to be in. And then actually, I should have introduced this in the beginning uh, when, when welcoming you, but like you were completely porn masturbation free, basically for at least porn free for, I don't know, long, 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 long time. Masturbation free. Yeah. Long time as well, right? And single 27-year-old guy, very healthy, barrel, which is like a, a unicorn, right? Completely, some people consider impossible, right? And so made a really strong base for your sexuality, right? And a lot of people, when they've got like this turning point where it's like, oh man, like porn was totally wrecking my life. And so like, I really needed to buckle down on it. So, but it seems like it was, it, it affected you, but considerably mild compared to the ways that it has affected a lot of other people. And so, and then you made this complete turnaround of completely stopping. And so, um, what, what was the beginning of that? Like, why did you actually want to um, figure, like, like want to make the effort to stop? Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, before I into that, I feel like I, I don't want to downplay, like, the kind of struggle I've, I went through. I guess I can't, I couldn't verbalize it so well, but there are times definitely where, like, uh, yeah, the temptation would just be there and I'd, I'd cave, you know, maybe once a day, even multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. And definitely I'd, to go from something like that to, to not doing it all, at all. Like uh, currently right now, I'm I'm over, for me, porn and masturbation go hand in hand. Like it's almost impossible for one to go without the other for me. But now, right now I stand about three years clean. Mm-hmm. And so like, how did I get to this point? I feel like, yeah, it's many, many attempts. One of the first things that come to mind, growing up, we had like a, like summer camp and we always have something called brother's night and well the thing is i, I can't i don't feel like i should i should be able to share what happened at brother's night because what happened at brother's night stayed in brother's night and that's just kind of half the thing but i can go over it generally some, some topics were talked about and it made me recognize that i am not the only one out here that struggled with this big thing but despite that it did give me some relief that i am not alone mm. but it did not solve my problems mm. another big point in my life that i recall my, I guess my one of my first attempts was I, I went to a workshop in Korea in a place called Chumpyeong, for those of you who know. Yeah, in the know. I attended a 40-day workshop during my freshman year of high school. And during that time, I remember a big thing with it, like a, we had a big prayer on repentance. We went into a special room and we were asked to kind of like really pray out loud. And there's like other people in the room too. And it's, I think it's not just guys, they're the girls too. Mm. and but for me like this was like the biggest struggle in my life at that time and i felt like i need to pray about this and i was i remember like uh, saying it so loud and like so like how much i really wanted out of my life and yeah i guess other people were not as convicted to pray out loud so many of them probably heard my prayers which is very embarrassing mm. because i remember a guy afterward was like yuki i i really respect you for being able to pray like that it's like dude you have to listen to your own you know pray for yourself don't listen to my prayers but i felt like uh, that was also a point where i made a really strong like promise or commitment which i wasn't able to follow through with and then you know maybe again but during high school that was the very that was a uh, freshman year of high school and then so all the other years again i gotta probably make attempts after mm. like a spiritual high of a camp or a workshop and then drop and be defeated and you know but i would say the next big, one of the bigger turning points afterwards was uh, during GPA, so I did two years. During my first year of GPA, after half a year, we went home for winter break. And I can't recall exactly what happened, but I believe someone must have, there must have been some type of testimony before going home, how they had done a confession with their parents. Again, I don't know what they had a confession about, but for me, it was very clear what kind of confession I would want to have. Mm-hmm. And it was on this point of pornography and masturbation. So I was at home during break. 
and actually my a good friend of mine, DJ Kanarski, just to think his name, mm-hmm. so you know, he, I was talking to him, uh, where I think we were planning to play video game that night, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess he was kind of sick, so he was falling asleep on me while we were talking, but I had asked him, like, you know, I'm thinking about doing, like, a, a confession with my parents, like, have you ever done one before, and he said, he, he, like, uh, half asleep, he told me, like, yeah, I, I think I, yeah, I did, it was good, and uh, for me, just looking for someone to support me, was, that was good enough. Mm-hmm. And as he fell asleep, as we were talking, I built up the courage to to make the decision, like, I'm going to tell them tonight. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was scary, though, because in my mind, like, uh, I'm a planner. And so I had gone through, like, almost every situation and scenario that how this could turn out, this conversation. And having two Japanese parents, having always been kind of scolded for things I did wrong, mm-hmm. I felt this was, like, the worst idea I could do. It made no logical sense to go about this situation other than the fact that I just felt it was the right thing. Mm. A big part of it I felt the need to was because, you know, with our understanding of God being like a heavily parent, my own parent should be my close connection to God. And so mm. if I can't be honest with them, how can I be honest with God? Mm. And that was like more of my driving force rather than because the reality was that it wasn't going to go well. I went to the living room, I had a, a glass of water, I asked my dad if he could get my mom and I was waiting there and my knee was shaking so much like uncontrollably to the point like I felt like the water was going to spill over my cup mm. and they eventually come and I build up the, the courage and so much fear because one, uh, well, they're Japanese and I speak Jinglish with them. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what if I say like these certain words like, you know, pornography, masturbation, mm-hmm. and they don't know what those mean. Like, I don't want to Google translate this in front of them, but despite all the, the fear and the doubts I had, and all the plans of you know A, B, C, all the way to X, Y, Z, not turning out well, I I followed through. And as I spoke the words about like how I had you know struggled with pornography, masturbation throughout these years, I remember closing my eyes, like kind of prepared for the hammer to drop. And yeah, the scary thing happened. My dad, he kind of laughed a little bit, and my mom was like, mm, "Yeah, I understand." And that I I opened my eyes like so scared because this situation was not part of any of the plans I had before. Mm-hmm. Everything involved stern scolding or disappointment or mm-hmm. getting kicked out of the house. I don't know, all these things. And none of that happened. And they're just really understanding. And I'm really uh, grateful for my parents for, for being able to respond that way because I know not all parents are able to. So that was a time I felt like was a big step in the right direction. I think a part of it's also played into my character. Like when I'm really focused on something, I just can't think of all, like a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So like when I'm on the program of GPA, like I, I'm just, I don't even think about uh masturbating or watching porn mm-hmm. one is like at the, at the time we didn't have smartphones anyway and mm-hmm. so i had a little slider phone which mm-hmm. can't doesn't do me any good anyway and then definitely during going home during break times there was uh an urge you know but i never i always chose to fight against it and because of that i would say for two and a half years that so the two years i did gpa and a half a year afterwards even i was clean so two and a half years i was clean i'm like i'm i'm cured you know it's mm-hmm. it's, all, it's like uh I, I don't have to worry mm-hmm. but going to school, getting stressed. I eventually found myself slowly thinking back into the habit. It was very subtle, just like being more aware of like, uh, wow, that, that girl's really nice on this in this movie or watching YouTube videos or slowly, you know, like letting myself think and pretending I'm stupid, not enough to know what I'm actually looking for. Mm-hmm. And eventually the point that I, I had slipped and I had to look at myself and think, wow, two and a half years, we just went down the drain in just a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's like so disappointing. And well, I, yeah. well, I'm sorry. Do you still feel that way? Sorry, what? Do you still feel that way? That that was like, oh man, all that time down the drain. Mm, no, not. I don't think I necessarily feel felt that way now. Looking back, 
at the moment, that's definitely how it felt. Yeah. 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 You felt that way at the time. Continue. Yeah. And I think on and off from there, it would be kind of, you know, I'd have like long, some, some streaks that would be a lot longer, some would be much shorter. And I can't exactly recall the exact time frame even now. But yeah, sometimes it'd be, you know, months. I'd go like, uh, or even like, you know, yeah, weeks to months. And sometimes it'd just be days, days apart. And I was always doing this kind of on my own. You know, high new didn't exist at the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I always kind of shared with friends about like what I'm trying to do, trying to improve, but none of them were doing much better than me. So it didn't really help. And at least the community I'm from, we, we didn't, I don't really have many older brothers um, or people I can look up to. So I really felt like kind of on my own, pretty much on sheer willpower is how I went about things. Mm-hmm. And that would kind of fall short many times. And I believe there were the time I would start, yeah, I start to educate myself. I start, I found out about this program called like, or this website, you know, fight the new drug like reading into their content maybe before that i had read about like uh from the perspective of like some article came out on facebook uh, maybe he was a pimp and he you know changed his life around but he felt so sorrowful about you know the the woman that he was using you know selling and i kind of getting a matter of perspective like oh these are the people that are being affected because of my desires mm. and like starting to see that my actions aren't just affecting me and i guess like slowly like educating myself along the way helped me get to where I am now but I would definitely say it wasn't always enough so I think the, the next major like milestone looking back I remember even like during this time though out of like this sheer willpower and education I had self-education I had like I maybe went like even like 100 days or something mm-hmm. and I was a like, pretty huge feat but you know again things happen and then boom start over from zero and I recall though a big maybe one of like maybe the biggest moment for me was I found myself uh praying I, f- I feel like a from this podcast, I probably come off like a really spiritual, faithful person, but I feel like I'm pretty normal. And I just, I'm just someone that attempts to be, mm-hmm. attempts to make faith very strong. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily say my faith is actually very strong, but I believe that it's like something I, I always want to go to. But I remember, I guess, like uh, praying, kind of like apologizing to God, you know, again, like, God, I'm so sorry, this, uh, this, this, and this, and this. And I caught myself mid prayer, like, oh my God, I'm praying like I pray over like my meals, like for lunch. Mm-hmm. It just means absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Because I go, I go into autopilot to pray over my meals, and I only pray for meals if other people are around. Otherwise, I just eat my food. Mm-hmm. And so I caught myself pray like a repentance autopilot prayer. Right when I, when I noticed that, I told myself like, "No, God, I I'm not sorry." Because if I was truly sorry, I would stop. But the reason why I can keep coming back and doing this is because I expect you to forgive me every time. But if you were like my friend, I I wouldn't be able to expect your forgiveness every single time. So I'm not sorry right now, but I want my actions to show you that I'm sorry. And um, I felt like that was like a, a moment for me to be, to take more control. And it was hard. I remember at nighttime feeling the urge, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to, wanting to act out. And I would just walk around the neighborhood. Maybe it could be like midnight, <laughs> but I would just, I knew like I, I couldn't let myself be in my room and I would always have my door open. I didn't let myself have earphones or anything um, just because I didn't want any temptation to, to be able to, to flow. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could still say that that was the end of it right then and there, but you know, I had a long streak, maybe another few hundred days, but it broke. And then I, but the, I didn't let, I didn't let that keep me down. I just, just I, I recommitted and determined it again. And yeah. And then, sorry, this, this story kind of keeps going on and on, but um, I kind of go toward the, the final spurt. I remember uh, maybe after another break or two, slip or two, there was a time I was clean for maybe another 200 days even, but I, I, I often found myself in, in a gray zone. And I think this is also like another turning point where it's like, what I'm watching would not be considered probably porn. 
you know, no one is having sex, no one is naked. But I, I found myself looking for things that were giving me somewhat stimulation. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, what is, what is the line, you know? What is the line in which is, is it good? Is this, is this clean or is this not clean? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it the moment of like, you know, to be crude, like ejaculation? Is that what it means to be clean? Mm-hmm. Is that really what it is? And I, I felt like each day I kept adding this number onto my, my streak. I felt so guilty because it wasn't really a true, true day that was good. I was, and I was just guilting myself more and more. And so eventually I just decided to be honest with myself, like reflection, the really big thing I, I go to more than prayer, just kind of like writing out my thoughts and rereading them later. For me, like recognizing like I'm, I'm standing on lies, like a person of integrity, this isn't, this isn't who it is. And even though maybe I didn't, I didn't actually slip for, you know, people's definition to me, I, I, I had gone past the line I would like to be. And I started over and I determined like at that point it had become a numbers game for me. Like, oh, yes, I, I broke 100. I broke, you know, 120, 130, 140. I don't want to go back to zero. I don't want to go back to zero. But then I changed it to, like, my mentality each day will be that I'm at day one because day one is always the day I'm the most serious. And so even though I had, like, a counter on my app, I would never open it because it wasn't helpful for me to actually know the number mm. because every day I would always think I'm on my first day again. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think also along the path that kind of skipped over that, like, some like uh, at camps and workshops, I would start to talk about this with brothers and they would ask for me to, to help them. Again, this is before I kind of hadn't even existed. And so just me trying to trying to attempt to be accountable to other people, I think mm-hmm. definitely helped me stay accountable to myself. Mm-hmm. I always kept it honest. Like if I did slip up, I would, you know, and they would talk to me, I'd have to tell them like, I'm sorry, like I, I'm also not perfect either. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big fault that many people go into when they become a leader, that they always have to be perfect and don't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But I think that makes them struggle even more. So, mm. yeah, I d- so I guess in my experience in where I'm at now, high noon didn't really exist. Oftentimes I wish it did, but a part of me also is really glad that this is a place that I came to on my own rather than having to be helped, mm-hmm. uh, at least for myself. But I think for the vast majority, having something like high noon is like uh, really amazing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that's kind of where I'm, where I've been. That, you just, awesome. I loved hearing everything you just shared and um, just to, to pull out some, nuggets of what I got from what you talked about, like your life. I think that what I recognize one of the things that personally I really admire about you is just like the level of living the, you try to really embody a living faith, right? It's not something you apply to your life, right? And, and so many examples you just shared of you actually choosing that faith about, you know, choosing to share, open up to your parents and completely sure that you knew how it would turn out. But despite that, knowing that, okay, this is an act of faith want to confide in them and yeah i so appreciate talking about that like because you're yeah you're not a like a churchy person right where you know you don't listen to hymns in the on in the car while you're driving right or what are some examples like listen to i don't know hunoke devotionals while you're eating breakfast yeah you know there's some people that like it's like a hobby almost. a hobby makes it sound bad right but it's like they're like really in, into it for <laughs> right yeah or even then there's some people that faith, they can, you can, it's possible to become trapped by your faith where you use it as a defining part of your identity. So you don't do that either, but you, you recognize faith as just an important part of your life that you're always trying to feed and to grow. That's something that's living. Then the other thing was, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the actually the, just the made up nature of numbers, right? It's like, it, it, yeah. it can be, they can be helpful, but you know, it's really not the point. And so, 
catching yourself being legalistic about it, right? And then giving that up and focusing more on like what is what are, this process, right, of being porn free, masturbation free, like what the kind of person that that's turning you into. That that's what you want to focus on more. So having a like you know day one attitude continuously and continuously. And then this whole process, I think, you know, to me it speaks really strongly to this intentional intensity you had about or you have continued up to that still about just crafting the person that you want to be and this has been a very ongoing process for such a long long time that you know you have mess ups right where you would i mean even like tracking as diligently as you did that's something that i think is not common for most people but just for many many years like being clear on the kind of person that you want to be and then continuously moving towards that not getting discouraged or like just quitting entirely but like always keeping that in sight and then just trusting that you're moving closer and closer to it. That's such an important thing. Like uh, in, in Heinen, we call it having a North Star, right? It's like your guiding compass. That you know what you're moving towards rather rather than just what you're trying to move away from. Mm. I did want to follow up with one question about what you'd shared is that this part about just being really clear about the person that you want to be. And I got the sense that be not looking at porn, not masturbation, not, not masturbating was a huge part of that. You had this really yeah. clear vision of who you wanted to be. And so, you know, for people, there, there's a number of people that have the sense that, okay, porn is not helping me, probably unhealthy, but it's harder to see the clear dissonance, right? Or, or uh, between like how me as someone who looks at porn, me someone who doesn't look at porn and like how it might be affecting me from being the kind of person I want. And so you know, what about Yuki, the, the Yuki that looks at porn and masturbates, was that not, you know, what about in that or that version of Yuki was different than how you actually wanted to be. And what about porn was not part of your master design for Yuki Asanuma? I see. Yeah. Yeah. I, part of me, I could, I could say like, oh, because of the moral and values of, you know, a, a kind of like a Christian faithful background is what got me here. But I don't think that's necessarily the case, honestly. I think it's just thinking about the kind of life I, I wanted to have, especially in, in terms of thinking about the future, eventually getting, you know, matched and blessed or married mm -hmm. like uh going through these kind of experiences you know and recognizing like oh my gosh you know like uh well i said i'm, I'm three years clean now so 24 is kind of when i was able to really kind of mm -hmm. start that journey again um but think like you know this this whole thing started out when i was 12 years old mm -hmm. and it's like wow like at 24 years old i'm i'm thinking i've had this habit for half my life mm -hmm. do i want do i want it to continue happening but i think for many people I talk to, you know, when they first kind of start their journey too, they talk about like, uh, oh, I want to be clean for my future spouse or my wife one day. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, a, it's it's okay to have that kind of perspective. It's it's respectable, but I feel like it, it never actually gets you to, it's never good enough. Right, yeah. And I feel like because it has to be for you. And for me, it's because I wanted that self-discipline, but not, I feel like it makes it kind of, it's not, that's maybe that's not exactly how I want to say it, but it's like, uh, for me, I want it this to be like when i experience the real thing you know i don't want it to be compared to something else like mm -hmm. i i already feel guilty in a, in a way as it is that i have already preconceived notions of what sex is actually like mm -hmm. you know i have some type of expectation or, or view of what it's supposed to be but you know given if i never saw or experienced any of this actually i don't know i i wouldn't actually know until i i, I attempted it and if, i'm sure it'd be weird and awkward and whatnot but it would just be it would just be genuine to be me and so it, it, I guess in a way, it's like a, my attempt to, to start again. And I feel with anything, like 
whether it be porn or not or any unhealthy habit like we can't really be ourselves if we're always anchoring ourselves somewhere mm. and i wanted to experience yeah this kind of freedom to be myself and to also to be myself with other people mm-hmm. again so I, i'm not viewing them in any any other way i think that she that was one of the most enjoyable moments in the journey was recognizing like i don't treat people different because they, they're pretty or not mm. actually i'm starting to recognize wow this person is really awesome just because they're really nice <laughs> or they're really they're really funny and yeah it was actually like so relieving to recognize like there's something i can i think i can shut away like it doesn't have to be the way i've always been mm. And that point didn't come for a while, but when I did notice it, it was really awesome because I could see like the growth that I've been making. But I think I strayed away from your initial question. No, it's good. It's so great. Sex is a really clear way. This can be in other areas, but like especially with sex, having a blank slate is is such it's golden, right? It's like you and another person, and then you have the freedom to just create something brand new together in your relationship. Actually, not just sex, but like just your communication, everything, every part of your relationship. And in so many places, we're just stuck trying to follow a template or this concept of how we think it's supposed to be like, you know, so what, what, what you just talked about, it's like you recognize the value in, in giving yourself a blank slate, right? And not just sex, but developing your character and just allowing, you know, Yuki to be Yuki rather than thinking like, okay, this is what it means to be a good person. So I'm going mo- to, I'm going to try to do that. All right, so Yuki, you mentioned right that you actually help other people's in this other people in this area, and so I'm curious what it's like for you having been gone on this journey that you're now turning around to help others, and that that is really cool to hear because that's really what we advocate at High Noon, right? Is that exact path of like developing foundation for yourself and then turning around to be a supporter for others. So, like, what's your experience like with that? I would say initially it wasn't my intention to start helping other people. But just by sharing honestly with like you know younger younger brothers, they wanted, but they you know they also were struggling. They were looking for someone to support them. Mm-hmm. And even though I did, didn't necessarily feel the most competent, I it was just my attempt, and you know someone just a little bit beyond, like further ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But also with the idea like wow, thinking you know I didn't really have an older brother or any mentor or person I could look up to that would help me at this time. I would think like, wow, if I could get them to stop this habit at the age of 15 or 16 or 17 or 18 or whatever it is, like that would be so awesome. Mm. Like, save them years of struggle. And yeah, I think that's kind of like where it initially started, but it also started becoming like really help- healthy for me too, because it, it, made, it gave me more reason. I think that's really important. Like you have to build as many reasons as you can to, mm. for, like, for, to uh, continue this fight. And they're like really good reasons, not just like uh, lackluster reasons, but mm. yeah, I think. As much as it was, it was for them, it also was something for me. And I think that's like one of the greatest things about about it is like uh, you don't have to be perfect to be start, to start helping someone else in their journey. But by really just being authentic and being honest, yeah, you naturally will. And so, and I, I think also what I think like even working with GPA, like uh, giving guidance. I think also when it comes to giving guidance in the topic of you know high noon, I I share things to them and I start to it starts to make me recognize more and more like wow I need to start taking my own advice more and it keeps me on track like to to always be on top of my game whereas it, yeah it's a sense of accountability and I can because at the time I again I mentioned I didn't really have any other friends or people that were going through it I remember at times sharing about it with my friends more and more almost forcing them to become my accountability partners even though they didn't mm. they weren't really so interested in uh, mm. being clean but interestingly enough, I found out that 
probably because I kept talking about it with a certain friend on Sundays. One day, like uh, Addy randomly, he's like, "Hey, I've been clean for like three weeks." I was like, "Oh, like you know." He didn't tell me he was trying to do it. Most likely, he attempted and he just didn't want to share it. But I realized just by making this more of something I just project um, and open about. Actually, like people also want it too. They're looking. I think because deep down inside, they know it's not something that they want to have in their life. But just being able to have some type of give and take with somebody else, it really mm. it's really stimulating for them. Ah, mm. uh, yeah. I appreciate you caring about that. That's really cool. Yeah. And so maybe just for some closing words, you know, as a young dude, uh, what would you wish to say to people who are a little younger, a little earlier in their in their journey? I guess I'll go with just integrity. I know we talk about integrity a lot, and we talk about sexual integrity, but I'll just talk about integrity in general. And the way I see integrity is that it's like uh, it's your words that are so powerful, and it's they're shaped by your actions. And I think majority of the world, we talk really well, especially the world that we live in now. Some people are really eloquent with their words and they can, they can make you, they can convince you of pretty much anything, how well they're doing, how successful they are, whatever it is. And it's great to be great with your words, but it can actually become your biggest, your, your biggest downfall, your biggest pitfall. Mm. Cause you can start to convince yourself that you're actually doing better than you are. But the thing about integrity is like, once you're, once you say that you'll do something and you commit to it, like you're, your value, your integrity is increased. And I would say like, you want, make it that like you are known as someone that's of integrity. Like when you say that, like, oh yeah, I'll be there at two o'clock. You'll be there at 155. Don't be the person that has to make an excuse of, tra- oh, if there was traffic or, oh, sorry, I got caught up in this. Mm. Like they're always reasonable, but the reality at the end, at the end of the day, you were there or you weren't, you showed up or you didn't. But if you're always a man of integrity, the moment you give a promise with your words, it's already, it's like, it's almost more powerful than actually the action because it's promised in advance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what integrity is and what it means to me. And I think if you could become someone like that, like anyone will love to have you in their life. Mm. And I wish someone kind of had given me that kind of advice a lot earlier. So I guess that's what I would say. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you, Yuki. Yeah. And thank yeah, you. thank you for the time, for sharing your story with us. Do you want to make yourself available to people if they want to reach out and say thanks for the episode or you're cool or ask you questions or anything. uh yeah if they if they want to no if you want to i because yeah. I, I i can say we can either like give your email or your you know facebook info not email facebook info whatever or, or we can make an explicit note it's like do not contact yuki <laughs> <laughs> no you can uh yeah i'm open to i'm always open to anyone that wants to talk so okay all right yeah yuki asanuma i'm pretty sure he's the only one on Facebook. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I don't know. Pretty easy to find. Um, you know, if you really want to talk to him, you'll be resourceful. You'll find him. Anyway, yeah, thank you, Yuki. And uh, everybody, we'll see you next time. I hope you found that episode enjoyable. And before we go, I wanted to challenge you to take your life on, to take your life to the next level. And if you're struggling in any way with pornography, with masturbation, with issues of sexuality that just are not helping you at all, if you want to reclaim your life, reclaim your eyes and ears, your time, your energy, then take our free 15-day challenge. If you go to highnoon.org, You can find our 15-day challenge right there on the front page. Take it. It's absolutely free, no strings attached. 
We've designed it to help you gain some level of momentum in your journey of sexual integrity so that you can take the next step, whatever that may be. It could be to go to our deeper Ascend program, which is a 90-day program we have. It could be to reach out to that accountability partner. It could be to just take the whatever steps you need to take in your journey to build the life of heavenly sexuality that you deserve. So go to highnoon.org right now if you want to break up with porn and start to get engaged with the life of your dreams and eventually marry it. Doesn't it sound nice? So go to highnoon.org to find all of those resources and more. It's been a slice.